Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting alongside my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, we are one day closer to week one Packers Bears Sunday night football here at Lambeau Field. And uh, it didn't take long this week for the first uh, shot at bulletin board material, I guess you could say. Akeem Hicks, uh, defensive lineman, led the Packers in sacks last year, did a conference call with Green Bay Media, and uh, basically said, I don't think the Packers can block Khalil Mack. Now, for context, apparently he was in the trainer's room doing this conference call, and Khalil Mack was kind of right next to him, or at least within earshot. So I think he was having a little bit of fun and, and uh, you know, getting his new teammates' attention in terms of the confidence that he has in him. Um, I think more fun than anything else, but yet, uh, you know, something to get people talking. Yeah, it was, I, I think it was Brian Belaga had the perfect comment about this. Like, his teammate's Khalil Mack, he's excited, he should be excited. <laughs> uh, and, and certainly when you add a guy of his caliber, um, how young he is, how accomplished he is despite being that young, um, it's going to add a lot of juice to a room. There's no question about that. The bigger thing, I think, that's it's always tough with stuff like this because I think sometimes things the context gets lost if you're just looking at uh, a quote. Uh, Akeem Hicks, I don't think he got on that conference call being like, oh, I just want to disrespect everybody. <laughs> I think he just wanted to really pump up his teammate yeah. and talk about how excited he is personally. You know, he's he's coming off a pretty darn good year as well, and he said, you know, when you get a guy like you know, Khalil Mack in a defense now, that's going to open up more one-on-ones for me. So it isn't just about what it's going to do to improve that group. It's what it's going to do to help him as a pass rusher as well. Uh, You look at Mack and, and, you know, Matt Nagy moments before Hicks was on the conference call. Nagy was talking to Green Bay Media. And, you know, this whole week has basically been dedicated with Vic Fangio and and those defensive coaches to trying to get Mack up to speed on what is going to be asked of him in this game. And from the Packers' perspective, yes, it's an un, an unscouted look if you look at your entire offseason. Sure. But Brian Balaga's seen him before. The Packers have gone against Mac before. It's going to be about taking that knowledge, processing it quickly, and trying to put a, a good product out on the field on Sunday night. Yeah, what do you think of this matchup? Assuming that the matchup ends up being Balaga against Mac, which is what most people are anticipating based on where Mac has lined up the majority of his career for the Oakland Raiders. You look back at that game in 2015 in Oakland when the Packers went out there. First quarter, I believe, I looked it up, I believe it was the second series of the game. Mack makes a wicked spin move and ends up getting a sack on Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, that early in the game, you're you're like, oh boy, here we go. And as you mentioned yesterday, Mack was on this, like, you know, sack barrage. Nine sacks in three games. Yeah, of the last few weeks. But then... For three, the last three and a half quarters of that game, Khalil Mack added one assisted tackle to his stat line for the game, and that was it. Yeah, over three and a half quarters. Now, Brian Balaga, to his credit, he's not. He wasn't standing at his locker yesterday, you know, resting on that performance and saying, oh, you know, uh, Khalil Mack, I handled him before. You know, that's not that's not Brian's approach as it shouldn't be. He knows he's going to have his hands full. It's going to be a fired up player, a guy who wants to make the right impression with his new teammates, all of that kind of stuff. But Brian Balaga is uh, he's down to business. He's as serious about this as it gets. He's confident in what he can do, but he also respects his opponent. Yeah, I mean, Brian Belaga is such a pro at this point. I mean, he's nine, you know, nine seasons into this now. Uh, nothing is really new to him. Yeah. And the 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 
you know, kind of analogy I threw out there, sort of thinking at this whole process is, this isn't you and your buddies getting together for a, a football game on a Saturday morning and going up against another group of players, another group of guys, and then somebody just brings out this, you know, college, former co- you know, college the player. The ringer. Yeah, the <laughs> ringer. And it's like, oh, man, what are we going to do about this? Um, yeah, there is a short window here to prepare. I, I get that. Yeah. But this, the Packers, you know, this coaching staff, James Campen, Mbalaga, you know, maybe even David Bakhtiari a little bit, depending on how they want to use Mac. They're all prepared for this. Yeah. You know, it's not like they're just going to be completely caught off guard. And, you know, and I, I was thinking about Balaga and, and, and kind of what you're talking about there with that Oakland game. And it goes back to something he said in Kansas City when he got that chance to go out there for a handful of snaps. The biggest thing he got out of those reps were going out there, getting initial feel for the game, and making those in-game adjustments, making the corrections that you can't make really when you're in practice. Yeah, right. you can do certain things, but it's different when it's live. I think that Oakland game was a perfect analogy of that in that, you know, Mac threw a move out there early on, he learned from it, he adjusted, and then pitched a shutout the rest of the way. That's what you have to do against a player of this caliber because he's a guy that's going to get his rushes. He's going to get his opportunities. He's too good not to, but it's about limiting those moments and really continuing to have consistency through the ups and downs of a game. And that's why I think it's really valuable having a guy like Brian Balaga with his experience that you don't necessarily have a, a first or second year tackle out there against Mac. You have a guy that's been through everything a right tackle can go through in this game. Yeah. And for my money, that's the reason why I think going into this game, it's an excellent matchup to watch, but it's also not one that I think is really panic stricken. Yeah. Playmakers are going to make plays in this league on both sides of yeah. the ball. What it comes down to is when you're in charge of, trying to limit them or trying to stop that other guy, when do they make that play? If they make it early in the game as opposed to late in the game, that's a win for you right. because, as you said, they made something happen, you've made the adjustment, and you've you've won the war even though you might have lost that early battle. And, th- and th- that's how these games are decided. Totally. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things, too, that I think when you look at – you know, on the other side of the coin, I was thinking about this too after we talked about our preview for the Bears. There's a certain element to that right now with the Bears offensive line. You know, you have Nick Perry, you have Clay Matthews, you have a new system uh, with Mike Pettin. They have to make those same type of adjustments. Yeah, they've had four or five, six months to prepare for this now, but it's still unscouted. Yep. There's still going to be things that both sides are going to be throwing at each other. And when you look historically, the teams that prevail in these instances, it's the ones that conquer that. And I think that's going to be one of the determining factors in this ballgame on Sunday night. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, real quick, though, Wes, some sponsor business. It's time to enter the Cousin Subs Best Seats in the House promotion. You and a guest could win a chance to kick back on the 50-yard line in style. Two pairs of lucky Packers fans will be chosen prior to each home game for this VIP experience. Enter daily now through December 16 by completing the entry form and submitting. For complete rules and eligibility, go to Packers.com slash Best Seats Cousin Subs. We believe in better. Okay, another guy I want to talk about here, Wes, with regards to this week one matchup. You look at this Packers offense, if you were to pick one guy who is walking into this new season, taking on a larger role and a larger responsibility than he's ever had before, and that change being greater than anybody else on the Packers offense, I think it's Geronimo Allison. Um, He's held down that number three receiver spot from the start of the offseason to now the drafting three wide receivers, Jake Kumaro's emergence, everything, all of that notwithstanding, nobody budged him from that number three spot. 
but this is a guy who's never come into the season come into a season before with this place on a depth chart and with these types of expectations in terms of how he can perform. And one thing that's really stood out to me is that you go around the locker room, you can ask Aaron Rodgers, you can ask other receivers, any guys in that locker room, there isn't anybody who doesn't have the confidence that Geronimo Allison is up to this, right. even though this is a big change and a big shift for him. Do you get the same sense? I do, and I've gotten that sense really going back early into the offseason program that there was a lot of confidence that even though you maybe don't have that veteran leadership in, in everything that Jordy Nelson presents as a receiver, that there was an understanding that Allison in many ways is the next guy up, and and he was ready to, to be able to take that, that task on. The thing I thought was most interesting, if you haven't had a chance yet, check out Spoff's story on Packers.com, talking to Allison and kind of reflecting on his journey is, you know, he's been through a lot in his life. Yeah. Uh, personally, even, you know, professionally, uh, you know, as an amateur athlete, a lot of ebbs and flows to this thing. And there's such a great quote in there about, and I'll probably end up botching this because I'm not good at these things, but <laughs> basically saying that, you know, the environment he came from, he let it shape him. He didn't let it become him. Right. You know, it's just a part of who he is. And, and he was able in a lot of ways to, to get out of that where he came from in Tampa Bay. But it also allowed him to really learn how he needs to overcome adversity and what he needs to do to be successful. You know, he goes from Tampa. He goes to Iowa Western. He ends up at Illinois. He's still kind of an unfinished product when it comes to a receiver when he gets to Green Bay. And I wrote about this in Inbox, I think, two or three weeks ago. Every single year has just been a constant progression yep. with him and yeah. his understanding of the offense and what Aaron Rodgers requires of him. So I think out of anybody, I think this is going to be the most exciting to see where he takes his game now because now reps really aren't a question. You know he's going to get snaps. You know he's going to get opportunities. And how does he capitalize on them? Yeah, and as I wrote in the story, Mike McCarthy was asked about Geronimo Allison multiple times throughout training camp, throughout the preseason, because he was having such a steady camp. Yeah. And as I said, no one was budging him from that number three receiver spot behind Adams and Cobb. And McCarthy, every time he talked about Geronimo Allison, he used either the word toughness yeah. or the word tenacity. And those characteristics are really a part of who he is. And I asked him about that, and, and he said it comes from the upbringing. He grew up in a rough part of Tampa, Florida. He played only one year of high school football and then took the junior college route, went to Iowa Western for two years, then made his way to Champaign, Illinois, comes to the Packers as an undrafted receiver when this receiving core was pretty darn deep, right. if I recall. Yeah. So he starts out pretty darn low, begins his rookie season on the practice squad. First game, he gets called up from the practice squad. First game in Atlanta, catches a touchdown pass. We know then what happened at the end of his rookie season. Had that tremendous touchdown on Rodgers' you know, forever scramble drill in Detroit where then he you know, whips it into the back of the end zone and Allison makes the diving catch. Had three catches all for first downs in the Dallas playoff game. Had the big 72-yard catch and run in overtime to beat Cincinnati last year in Week 3. So every time... You know, every time the bell has been rung, so to speak, he's he's answered that call. And the other thing, and I know you've heard this from his receiving mates, from guys like Adams and Cobb, and I have as well. The other way that he's earned respect 
is not just the way he's performed on the field, but that confidence from his teammates comes from what they've seen in the meeting room, what they've seen in the weight room. Everybody that you talk to about Geronimo Allison says this guy's a pro. Yeah. And you don't hear other players say that about a guy, not only just an undrafted guy who's still so young, you know, only in his third year, but a guy who you know, let's face it, if you just look at the statistics, hasn't accomplished a whole heck of a lot, but he's got that respect and confidence of his teammates that he is ready for this role now being thrust upon him. Yeah, and he's understood exactly what that role has been, you know, and and he's had to be the guy that's been ready to step in for Jordy Nelson or Randall Cobb or Devontae Adams. He's been really that next guy here the last two seasons. And now he's stepping into a different role where he has to be prepared to, to be that number three, yeah. uh, depending on how many times we see those packages throughout the course of the season. Historically, that's been sort of the base offense here the last three or four years. So that's a huge chance for him to really elevate his game to the next level. And getting back to your original point about the meetings, that and we hear almost to a point where you know, you almost sometimes didn't take it, you took it for granted, but when Edgar Bennett would talk about it starting in the classroom, yeah, when he was working with him as an offensive coordinator, when you had, you know, David Ryan there now and before that Luke Getze, you had a guy in Allison that was willing to sit next to Jordy Nelson, was willing to sit in front of him and sort of have that absorption of information. And, and it's so easy for a young guy just to tone that out mm-hmm. and not really pay attention and not really care and just want to do his own game but I think one of the benefits to him is that he did come to this late he played only one year of high school football so every time he has a chance to really be able to to learn something he's capitalized on it and I, I think for a lot of people now and you look at all the storylines going in the regular season Michael I, I think seeing Allison where he's at and where he could potentially go is is one of the most intriguing ones to watch because when you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback as he said in your story it's all about getting open you get open He's going to take care of you. Yeah, and the other thing I like about Allison's journey, in a sense, I guess saying I like it maybe isn't the right word, but what also I think contributes to the confidence is this hasn't this hasn't been a completely smooth ride even since he made it totally. in the NFL. Yeah. He was suspended for the first game of last season because of a substance abuse violation. He had a big fumble at Carolina last year that you know dashed the Packers' comeback hopes in that game and their playoff hopes and Aaron Rodgers' comeback hopes for the season after the broken collarbone and all of that. He's had some things at the NFL level that he's had to recover from and bounce back from and and to see just the the confidence that his teammates have in him is uh I think it's really important heading into this 28 2018 season for a young guy. Totally. Yeah, and there's you know a lot of talented receivers on this roster. The, they kept 8 of them. The fact that Allison is the number 3 uh <laughs> after they drafted all these guys, you had Trevor Davis coming back. Yeah. I think it says a lot about him and the fact that he was able to he he was in front of the race when he started. And he consistently stayed there. Yeah. Well, another topic to hit on here, Wes, before we go, I know you've been talking to some of the guys in the Packers locker room. You're going to continue some more interviews. But um, we're all eagerly anticipating the great unveiling of the Mike Pettin defense here for 2018 for the Green Bay Packers. Because, as we know, there's only so much that they're putting on film for opponents in the preseason. Most of the you know, the real practicing that they're doing with the, the scheme and everything that they're going to use in a lot of games is the stuff that's in practice that's behind closed doors and whatnot. What's your sense? I mean, the sense that I get is uh, is these guys can't wait to take the field and, and start playing 
these calls and there, there's just there, there's the the whole renewed refreshed sense of yeah. everything which which is what we've sensed since the offseason program the started. Packers probably played about 50 percent 60 percent base during the preseason yeah. that should tell you everything you need to know about what the, what that type <laughs> of the year is like in terms of just yeah. the the vanilla nature of it what I like the most though particularly just to quickly point out one specific area that I think is going to be exciting is the dime in the third down units I, I just we've seen in, even in the preseason game, some of these rush packages they've come up with, it appears like you know they got some. He's had some double A gap looks with the inside backers. The big thing is, and Petten talked about it from the beginning. On any given down, if you're in that box, he doesn't want the quarterback to know who's coming at him. Yep. And I thought there was a couple instances, especially in those last two preseason games. And I get that he's going up against a lot of backups, but that being said, he was utilizing a lot of backups and being able to to kind of get their feet hot in the pocket and not, not allow the quarterback to get comfortable. I think we saw him force some some errors in that way. I'm really excited to see what he can do now that he has Clay Matthews available and Nick Perry and in some of these slot cornerback combinations we've seen. There is so many unknowns right now, mm-hmm. even to, to us who watched a majority of the training camp practices. I think it's just going to be really interesting to see those domino effects kind of lay out and and you can just tell, listening to some of these guys talk about in the locker room, Kevin King, after the game in Kansas City last week, was already talking about how excited he is to finally get in that first regular season game. Yeah. Because you've had five, six months where they've put in now to learning this scheme and wanting to you know, be able to really implement it, and now we're days away. Yeah, and for those who uh, want to get a little bit of a sense X's and O's wise of how this works, Larry McCarron has a rock report yeah. that he put on our website where he breaks down in really good detail the uh, it was a, a pressure package against uh, Oakland in the preseason game where the Packers kind of schemed things up and they were able to get safety Kentrell Bryce blitzing free because nobody picked him up and it led to a quarterback hit and an incomplete pass because he he sped up the play. It wasn't even a sack, but it's yeah. that that sort of effect on the quarterback and effect on the offense that uh, that dialing these things up can do. Now, as you said, you know, th- those maybe were against some backups, you know, the I mean, a number one offensive line, a, a veteran running back who knows how to pick up blitzes. You know, the, these kinds of things are, are not easy. But uh, but a couple of those, you know, flat free type rushers, if you can get those, those are the opportunities where big plays can happen on the defensive side. Absolutely. And the thing that I like, too, as I mentioned, is a double-sided coin. The Packers now are going to have their full source, assortment of weapons defensively. And, Mike, for all the years that I've covered this team now, there are so many guys that can play so many different spots. The blend between the cornerback and the safety positions, the safety to the inside linebacker, defensive lineman to the outside backers, so many different guys can line up anywhere now. Yeah. And, and we've seen this evolution over the last five years with the NFL. But I think Petten has proven, especially in this new CBA environment, to be able to do that and keep it simple. Now the Packers are hoping that it leads to them being you know, one of the top units in the NFL again when it comes to defense. All right, well, we've got one more show to do this week, and we will uh, kind of hit our final preview elements for Packers-Bears. But for now, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, you can find him at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford. At Packers, still the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.